Welcome aboard. I'm the Doctor. At least I will be if the Doctor Who podcast works out. In this week's episode of the DWP, the Doctor Who podcast, it's my pleasure to bring you two great interviews I conducted about a month ago with two uh, fantastic luminaries from the Doctor Who world, but not really luminaries that you might know about. Uh, first up is Alex Day. He is the, I suppose, pioneer or flag waver for Troc, Time Lord Rock, and it was my great pleasure to talk to him recently. I also had a chat to Peter Jewell, who has emptied all his cupboards and his uh, boxes of all his Doctor Who memorabilia and put them on display for everyone to see, so I had a bit of a chat to him about how all that came about. And just at the end, just a little thing we didn't have time to cover in our uh, Big Finish Jamie trilogy review, just a little discussion on favourite Big Finish audios, which we just couldn't squeeze into that episode, so we'd like to share it with you here today. Hello there. Come on in, come on in. It's it's a bit cluttered here at the moment, so you might just have to move a few of those... Uh, magazines and DVDs out of the way so you can get a seat. Lovely to see you again. It's just me here today, I'm afraid. Uh, I'm, I'm here sort of just putting the final touches to these interviews, the uh, Peter Jewell and Alex Day interviews, and uh, I suppose you, you can be the first person to hear them. So can I just give you these headphones? And uh, yeah, I know, they're, they're, they're a bit, yeah, smelly. Yeah, I know, sorry. But, but just put them over your ears here. Um, have a listen to the interview I just finished with uh, Alex Day pioneer of Time Lord Rock, Troc. Fantastic interview where we uh, talk about the whole phenomena and uh, listen to some of his fantastic music. Okay, with me in the caravan today is Alex Day, who was the founder and frontman of a great little rock band called Chameleon Circuit. Now, it's probably not much of a stretch, and you probably would realise that if there's a band called Chameleon Circuit, then it's probably just something a little bit to do with Doctor Who. And it's my great pleasure to have Alex in the studio with me today. Hello, mate. Hey, man. How you doing? Good, good, good. It's it's a great pleasure to have you on the show, because I'm not sure where I heard about your music or whether I just stumbled on some of your fantastic little videos on, on YouTube that, <laughs> that that you've done with your band. Um, it, it's a wonderful mixture of Doctor Who songs uh, along with some fantastic little uh, visual animations and stuff on YouTube. But uh, instantly fell in love with a lot of the stuff I saw and I thought, my God, we have to get this man on the show and share him with more people. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Yeah, loads of people are always uh, stumbling across those. <laughs> I think they, they, they do the rounds on, you know, forums and stuff, so yeah, it's nice. Yeah, I mean, I must have heard about it somewhere and went, oh, that, that looks nice. I think some of our listeners might be familiar with the term troc. Can, can you <laughs> explain what troc is for, for any listeners out there that might not know? Yeah, truck is is basically an example of my amazing narcissism. Um, what all happened was in, not content not content to just start a band about Doctor Who, I decided to just make it a whole movement. I guess um, I, I basically got really excited and thought I, I want to encourage loads and loads of other people to to do this as well. So I gave it a name, um, which was Troc, which stands for Time Lord Rock. Um, so I said, you know, you should all start your own Troc bands and we can have a big revolution. And so that was kind of what it was. And I, I'm really the only person who cares. 
Oh, um, really? Because I mean, I mean, there there um seems to be a few other little groups or um people there are, I've been, doing this sort of thing. Yeah, I've been very convincing in my illusion of the fact that there are many many truck bands that care about this as much as me. Um, what what it is is when I first did it, everyone was very very excited and they all went on MySpace and set up their MySpace pages and they uploaded their first song and then they got a bit bored. And then uh, and then I so I encouraged everyone to release a compilation CD. Um, called Truck On. So we did that, and there's 18 bands on that. Um, so that's all. That's all good. Uh, but then again, after that CD, everyone kind of lost interest again. So I think <laughs> I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to put another CD together to get everyone back into it. So we have Alex Day waving the flag for Truck all alone. <laughs> well, yeah, well, me, me and the rest of Chameleon Circuit, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, I mean, probably going back even a little bit further. I mean, from from what I understand of reading about this stuff. Troc actually gets its basis from from Harry Potter, I believe. That it it's it's based on W Rock or, or Wizard Rock, which is used to describe those who create um, Harry Potter inspired music. Is is that where you first heard of the term? Yeah, no, my um my girlfriend at the time was into Wizard Rock. She's in a Wizard Rock band. Um, so I thought that was really cool. But Wizard Rock is so established because it's been going for years and years and years. Um. I didn't want to kind of get into that arena because it seemed kind of daunting that you know, all of the big bands were already there and they all have their own thing going. So I thought if I start my own thing, I can be the first band of the new thing. Um, <laughs> and therefore it'll be easier for people to, to notice what I'm doing. So, I mean, also I do like Doctor Who a lot more and thought these are, these are songs that would be interesting to write and a lot of fun to do. Right, right. So, so you drafted in a few like-minded friends, I suppose, uh, like uh, Charlie and Liam and uh, Chris? And you form yeah. Chameleon Circuit. Yeah, Charlie um, had already written the song Blink before we'd actually like. He just he just wrote that song because he said I really like that show. So I so I wrote this about my favorite episode. It was called Blink. Um, so when I had the idea, I I emailed Charlie and said, well, obviously we can use that song, and you can just be in the band with me. Um, and then we asked Liam because he looked like they were tenant. Uh, and then we asked. Oh no, actually, I didn't ask Chris because I thought he would be too cool for it. I thought, <laughs> I thought that he would not. I didn't. I didn't think he'd be interested because he's, he's a big Doctor Who fan. But I thought he's not going to want to do this. Um, and then he actually messaged me on Facebook when I had that at the time and said, "Why haven't you asked me to be in your band yet?" <laughs> I was actually offended that I hadn't approached him about it. So, so that was so, nice. I think the place where I first um, heard one of your songs, you have a song called regenerate i think then um that was the first time I sort of, regenerate. <laughs> yeah yeah that that that, that was when i that was one of my first experiences with troc and um i, I think Ooh. it would be really good to uh, give the listeners a bit of a listen to uh the the song so let's play it now Since I met you back on Scarrow And I'm pretty sure that you know That not much has changed since then It doesn't matter how hard you try to remove me I think you will agree 
that if one of us dies, then the other will too. I am locked in war with you. Exterminate, regenerate, a thought you always you are fate. Just keep fighting on and on, while time keeps turning. Regenerate, exterminate, and even though we are the same, why don't you hop into your ship and leave me burning? Men, we have our contrasts We're of exactly the same class And our constant companion is death Look at you, fashioning people into weapons How can you say that you're better than me? We both carry the fire that is set to devour life Just keep fighting on and on While time keeps turning Regenerate, exterminate And even though we are the same Why don't you hop into your ship And leave me burning We both carry the fire That has the power to end life But what I do with that flame Is what separates our types If it takes till the end of reality To beat you then I'll be sure to meet you at the exits of the world Into my ship, and we can settle this, and we can settle this. Exterminate, regenerate, you know that it isn't too late to end what seems impossible. The next time turning, regenerate, exterminate, and even though we are the same, why don't you hop into my ship? Travel time together We can settle this forever Tell us all about the song and how, how it came about. Terminate Regenerate was a song... I came up with the, the title, um, which, you know, is easy enough. <laughs> and uh, and then I had no ideas for the lyrics. Um, I, I obviously wanted it to be about kind of the, the battle between the Doctors and the Daleks. The Doctors? The, the Doctor and the Daleks. Um... <laughs> But uh, I, yeah, I was kind of stumped for for like lyrical ideas. So I so I emailed the rest of the band and said, "Here is a song title I've come up with. Here's an idea. If you guys want to write it, you can." And uh, and eventually Charlie was able to to put the song together. So he sings on that track. Uh, he's uploaded a video of himself playing it acoustically with like you. you 
really and some kind of backing stuff. Um, but we haven't uploaded a video of that full, you know, the full produced version that appears on the CD. So, oh, yeah, cool. so it's nice to be able to, to play that version. Oh, that, that'll be a real treat for the listeners then, yeah. Um, so, uh, Chameleon Circuit is still an ongoing concern. You're um, still pumping out uh, truck music? Well, we haven't, I mean, we recorded the album last year um, and put that out. And then since then, we've, well, I mean, we, me and, we were always talking about how we want to do new stuff. Um, and but it's this with the first album we just kind of wrote the songs and just let them happen organically and then when we had enough that we liked we put an album together so I, I want it to happen the same way um, again we, we we do want to put another album but we won't rush it I guess we'll just wait until we have enough you know new material that we're happy with um, so far we've written one new song which is called Don't Drink the Water and it's <laughs> um, it's it's about interplanetary space travel. Um, it's me and Charlie wrote it, and I, I play the part of someone who wants to fly into space. And Charlie is the travel agent, and he's going through a list of all the different planets that I could visit. But then all of them have kind of problems. Like, oh, Scar is really nice this time of year. Oh, but the Daleks, you know, and it's, it's kind of like that all the right, way through. It's, right. it's fun. Or perhaps it could form the basis of a wonderful uh, David Tennant, Matt Smith themed CD, perhaps. <laughs> the, the the difficult second album. I am um, I. <laughs> I keep saying to Charlie we should maybe release Don't Drink the Water as a single because it's been so long since we wrote it and we haven't done anything else yet. Um, so that might be a nice way to get that out there. But we have said if we if we want to do a second album, we're going to call it Still Got Legs because that's <laughs> one of the first things that's been said after we regenerated. And also it's just a good name for, okay. for a second album. The original title we were going to go with was Proper Decent Music. Um, because David Tennant was doing a radio show and someone phoned him up and said, have you heard of this thing called Troc? It's like Doctor Who fan music. And he was like, oh, yeah, I have heard it. It's proper decent music. Um, so we were just going to make the title, you know, an endorsement from David Tennant. Um, but, yeah, we've we've started liking Still Got Legs a bit more. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some fantastic releases you've done so far. I, I have to ask the question, though, do you get in trouble from the BBC for uh, selling these on iTunes at all? <laughs> um. I don't think there's any problems with selling just like, you know, the idea, just writing the songs about Doctor Who, but um, there is a song, and we haven't had any trouble for this, but I'm just waiting for the for the phone to ring. Um, there's a song <laughs> called An Awful Lot of Running, which quite explicitly references the Doctor Who theme tune in, oh, really? in a very obvious way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> To do 
might just be another dream Cause my life before you was unreasonably mundane Never been happier although we face death every day I wouldn't have it any other way It's completely terrifying but it's so so exciting You said I was brilliant and I could change the world So many places I've been there's so much more to see We got galaxies and planets and moons Had an awful lot of running to do waiver for it of course um you do your own stuff as well and uh, you're, you're on the verge of releasing one of your own albums oh yeah i am yeah um so we released comedian circuit june last year and then i released my own album um in october of last year uh and so i've just been working on my own stuff since then um and yeah, I've got a new album coming out at the end of the month. It'd be it'd be really exciting. <laughs> really excited for people to hear it. We finished it. The main reason is because we finished it in like the the start of March. And you know, usually when people finish an album they release it, <laughs> let people hear it. But I um I held off until until now, until like, you know, pretty much the start of July, because there's a big YouTube event that's happening uh, at the start of July called VidCon. Right. Where a load of YouTubers getting together in LA. It's like a three-day kind of conference thing, and loads of people will be speaking about their experiences on the website. And it's way better than it sounds. Um, <laughs> but basically, there's there's going to be some there's going to be some gigs there by like YouTube artists. So I'm going to be playing a gig there, and I thought, wouldn't it be great if my album was the newest release at VidCon, so yeah. that it's kind of the hot album that everyone's talking. So I purposely have my album off for about three and a half months, just so I could have it be fresh at VidCon. Uh... Um, so my 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 subscribers will hate me i'm sure yeah. but um but i'm excited for them to finally hear it it's almost like timing your movie release just around the time the oscars come out very careful <laughs> planning <laughs> well done yeah I, when, you, when, when you put it like that i actually don't feel as bad because yeah you're right movie schedule they do they do plan it time's on our side you've got what you want i'll understand if you want me to stop I know I was wrong I'm learning fast Is there a way 
to put this in the past So here we are, together tonight I hope you're having the time of your life Well, actually, speaking of, uh, speaking of conventions, um, have, have you had the chance to um, reveal Chameleon Circuit to the world at any conventions? I mean, have they asked you to play live or anything yet? They haven't, they haven't asked us to. I've gone out of my way to ask them. <laughs> Emailed them saying, I mean, this band is going to be here. Do you want us at your convention? Um, there's, a, there's a UK one called Bad Wolf that happened last year and i emailed them and said yeah we're community circuit can we play please and they said yeah if you want here we go here are the details we'll give you a night in our hotel and stuff um and that sounded great but uh, i was in america at the time oh. of the conference i'd already booked a holiday so I, I said to the guys like the rest of you can do it you know without me if you want but then it didn't get arranged and yeah that was a shame oh. but, but i don't know the, the, the idea of that is always a bit daunting because the the reason that wizard rock works so well is because Harry Potter is marketed at young people. And so all the people that go to those those kind of Harry Potter conventions are about my age. But the people that go to the Doctor Who conventions are the people that liked Doctor Who 40 years ago. <laughs> and so it's kind of like there isn't a, I mean, there isn't a market. There is a big young Doctor Who fan base, but they don't really go to conventions. Oh, so I don't know how, you know. I, don't I, know think I, get you're, I think you're underestimating the, the people that go to conventions. I, I can really see you fitting in very well, say, at Gallifrey next year in, in LA. I, I think you should approach Sean and say, can we come along and play? Please, 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 please. I mean, you're welcome to put a word in if you like. I, 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 I've, <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, I've never been to a convention, I have to confess. So this is just my own prejudice. But I, I've seen photos <laughs> well, that I, was I, enough for me. To think I have got Sean on speed dial here, so I might just give him a buzz after we finish the interview. I'd say and say my my good mate okay. Alex Day wants to come along and play at your convention, and I think you should let him. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> me and Charlie are always talking about how we want to do a Chameleon Circuit tour, and we've never uh, we've never arranged it. So that might be the start of the the fire. So is 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 there an element of cosplay? with Troc or, or is it mainly just doing like the audio side of things, sort of doing, you know, you know, like the parodies and, and the really clever songs? <laughs> we, well, yeah, I mean, for the cosplay element, we'd have to play live and that's something we haven't done. Um, the only other way that would happen is if we were sitting in our own houses, just, just dressed up as Doctor Who <laughs> characters writing the songs, which would be ridiculous. Um, and because we don't really feature in the videos much, well, Charlie does. Charlie uploads the acoustic versions of, of he uploaded Blink acoustically and Exterminator Generate acoustically. Um, for me, I just, I just like to do the animated ones, so we don't even feature in the videos at all. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's mainly just, here is a fun idea, and then we just... We just write a song that, and we try and write a song that we think people will like, even if they haven't heard of Doctor Who. We try and pay as much attention to the music side of it as the Doctor Who side of it. Right. Um, the only possible exception to that is Journey's End, uh, which is the last song on our album where me and Charlie were just together in a room, and we we decided we wanted to write the album by the first of September, and we had it was August thirty first. It was the night of August thirty first. We'd done all <laughs> of the songs. We apart from one, we had nine out of ten songs. Um, so me and Charlie said, "Well, it's just a song." And we ended up writing Journey's End, and it was just an exercise in trying to make each other laugh. Um, so we, one of us, one of us would play, you know, a chord or whatever, and we'd say, "Okay, what can we sing here?" And then you go, "Okay, it didn't make much sense, but it's always nice to see the Daleks." And then one of us would laugh, and then we'd go, 
yeah, all right. <laughs> I mean, just for then. <laughs> and so all the lyrics are just really sort of like hard and stupid because it was it was just a little game. It's just right. that, that that is the result of our game. So is that really what is at the core of Troc? Sort of having fun with the show you love, but not being, I suppose irreverent or anything like that but not not being cruel but just doing sort of gentle poking parodies of 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 doctor who yeah i suppose it's it's in the spirit of um of the show itself in that it you know sometimes because because the thing that's the weird thing we got to actually not so much this season because the new season has been consistently brilliant but um with some of the older episodes mainly down to cgi effects um you kind of have to embrace them <laughs> you know even <laughs> if they're not the most amazing things you've ever seen um and it, it's kind of it's you, yeah you you learn to love some of the episodes and I think I think Chameleon Turkey is the same <laughs> I like to think it has that that same sort of charm right. to it that you there's there's some songs that you think oh these are really really good and there are some songs that you can think oh no I really get what they're trying to do there and that's really nice mm. um and and yeah and it's a bit like Hyde and we we have a little line about hoping that Russell T Davis doesn't bugger it up and there's a line about uh, <laughs> uh what's the other one there's another one oh there's one about how Mickey um isn't really much use but then we go sorry afterwards and yeah yeah it's just it's so playful <laughs> well I, I would strongly recommend to all of our listeners there to go and check out chameleon circuit go and check out troc um alex <laughs> where can they find some troc where can they find some chameleon circuit goodness um okay so you can go on uh, you can go on the website actually which is alexdaymusic.com um and if you scroll down the bottom and click go to alexdaymusic.com then then the page comes up with all of music that i've released um and so there's a player on there for chameleon circuit's whole album you can listen to the whole thing for free um and then if you like it enough that you want to listen to it you know not on the website then you can get it on itunes or you can buy the physical cd from dftba.com awesome 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 and is there a link there to your youtube videos as well uh yeah there is actually just at the top of the of the website there's a little tab Absolutely. that says youtube and you can click that well, yeah. that'll keep us all busy for a little while, I think. Um, Alex, I want to thank you very much for your time today, mate. Um, Troc's fantastic. It's it's a real lot of fun. Um, we'll have to get you along to Galley next year, so so get your band members ready for, like, mid-February next year, and we'll all go to Gallifrey 22 <laughs> together. That's awesome. Thank you for having Singing me. Singing on the plane on the way over. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, Alex, thank you very much for your time, mate. Cheers. Take care, man. Sort of makes you want to bop along and jump out of your chair and do a bit of a dance, hey? We'll have all the links to Alex's uh, output on the show notes for the show, so please, if you want to find out more about Troc or even uh, have a bit more of a listen to Alex's solo albums, then uh, please check them out via the show notes. Alrighty, well, the next one I want to share with you is an interview I did with Peter Jewell. Now, like I said in the intro, uh, he's basically put all his memorabilia up on display for all to see, and, and he has quite a lot. And I had a very fascinating chat with Peter about a month or two ago, where we discussed, I suppose, the whole nature of uh, collecting and what you should collect and what you shouldn't. And uh, it, it was really, really interesting. So um, just have a listen to this. Okay, with me today on the Doctor Who podcast, we have a very special guest, uh, Peter Jewell. Now, um, most fans out there, I suppose, collect a bit of memorabilia here and there. You know, they might collect a Dalek or a book or an annual or a video or a DVD, and they'll put them in their room or put posters on their walls. But um, Peter's got so much that I think he's run out of room in his own home, and uh, he's had to put them on display. So we've uh, got Peter in here today to tell us about uh, this wonderful little exhibition of 
his memorabilia. Hello, Peter. Hi, Trevor. Doctor Who podcast. How are you this morning? The Doctor Who podcast and Trevor in that order is absolutely fantastic. How are you, sir? I'm all right. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm sat at home. It's, you know, very bright, beautiful morning. Birds are singing. Daleks are chirping. Everything's <laughs> just going beautiful, man. <laughs> so you must have a very empty house at the moment. I have a few cabinets that are sort of lacking, put it that way. I do indeed. But I, I do tend to keep this stuff in boxes and, you know, it, 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 it's a very interesting process putting this, this exhibition together because I, I denied for the past 25 years that I had this obsession, yeah? I just liked putting things in boxes. <laughs> but only once I started to undo some of those boxes uh, did I begin to realise the tr true extent of this nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> well, be before we get too deeply into it, let, let's start back at the beginning and um, let our listeners know about how you went from having your stuff in boxes to stuff in display cases on display. Well, I started collecting when I was a very young boy. I was actually born on 2nd of November 1963, which is just days before the first episode of Doctor Who. And according to my mother, my first word was Dalek. Okay, <laughs> so this really, is a life, this really is a lifelong trip here. And I started collecting when I was about eight. And my, I was ill in bed with mumps or something like that. And my mother bought me Doctor Who and the Seeds of Doom. Okay? And I just sort of absorbed it. And I went out the next day and bought another and another and another. And it began. And I had a little, I made a little shelf in woodwork at school. And within about three weeks, I had it full of Doctor Who books. And I thought, this is clearly the right thing to do. And then somebody said to me, hey, that particular book there is valuable. And I sort of thought, ooh, that's exciting. <laughs> and if you, if you start something like that, and almost immediately it starts to accrue value, it, it encourages you, doesn't it? I mean, I could have collected Blake 7. You know, I could have collected Star Trek or anything else, and I'd look such a fool now, wouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> it just so happens I got it right. Well, it's all relative, really, isn't it, Peter? It is all relative, isn't it? It is all relative. But I, I sincerely believe that Doctor Who is somehow of major cultural importance. I don't quite know what's going on in it. But it's, it's full of queer messages, I think, for the, for the whole world, you know, maybe for the whole universe. Maybe mm. this is what we're trying to do. Maybe we're trying to reach out, you know. Maybe Doctor Who's the channel by which to do it. I was always intrigued by the carpenters calling occupants of interplanetary craft, but I didn't think that was going to do much. <laughs> but maybe we're transmitting Doctor Who to the whole universe and they're actually out there watching it saying, hey, these guys, they're crazy. <laughs> they actually believe this. <laughs> Well, you've, well, you've, uh, well, you've uh, spent 25 years collecting this now, so what was the step to get it out of your house and on display for the whole world to see? It just struck me as a good idea for a project, so I went along to a local museum and said, hey, what about it? And I think they thought, oh, here's another nutter. And so they ignored me for a while, and then I turned up with a box full of gear and said, come on, I'm going to show you some you know, examples here. And they sort of looked at it with awe and splendor and agreed and said, oh golly, you really do have vast amounts of Doctor Who memorabilia. And then I took the, they, said, they said to me, could you photograph it? So I spent about a week arranging various displays in my front room, which was very exciting for me, yeah. And uh, there it was. I took it back and they said, you know, oh golly, <laughs> this is rather serious. So they got a designer in and got various people involved and we, we built it. And it took about, took about three weeks to build and it took, you know, it was... 
deeply obsessive work, but I don't think I've ever quite been so happy in my life, actually. <laughs> um, which, which museum was it? It's in a museum in Lancaster, in the north of England, called the Judges' Lodgings Museum, which is just below Lancaster Castle. And okay. it's just one large room with about seven display cases in. But there's about, I think there's about 600 items on display. The, you know, ranging from, the earliest item I have is from 1930, okay? Wow. Now, people say, well, what's that got to do with Doctor Who? And I say, well, it has, because it is, as far as I can work out, it is the first ever pro professional performance from William Hartnell. And it's a, a program from a, the Arts Theatre in London for a play called The Passing of the Essene. And I've tried to work it out, and William Hartnell can only have just been out of the army when this was produced. Mm. I, don't know for sh I don't know for certain this. I'd love confirmation on this. But this programme is just utterly stunning. It's not only got William Hartnell in, it's got Ian Fleming in, it's got Eric Spear, who wrote the Coronation Street theme music, and the music for the play was especially composed by Gustav Holst. Wow. So, you know, <laughs> collectors, <laughs> if, I ever, <clears throat> if I ever put this thing on sale, yeah, you know, just every collector of everything in the world would be after it, I think. <laughs> I'd consider it quite an important document. It sounds like a really uh, progressive museum because certainly most of the museums I've had experience with, you know, you walk in and they've got old bones and like costumes of Roman centurions and stuff like that. What what sort of museum sort of takes a punt to put up a lot of 60s memorabilia? It is a, it is a sort of slightly unique museum and it's a museum of sort of Lancaster effectively. And I guess I am a person in Lancaster and they considered that angle worth covering. But it is essentially sort of, old furniture and bones like you say there's some very interesting things in there but I had a report last week when I was sat at my Doctor Who shop plug <laughs> <laughs> when I was sat in my Doctor Who shop last week okay uh, this this sort of teenager came down and said hey I've just been in your museum mate and he said they were actually shooing people off the Waring and Gillow's chairs that were queuing up to get in. <laughs> so I, I do just get the slight feeling that the museum is actually finding it a bit of a strain. I think they're used to maybe 10 people a day going in, and I think there are hundreds going in, you know. And they, they all just go to see the Doctor Who exhibition. <laughs> I can understand Which, that, because, I mean, uh, I, I think Doctor Who breaks records everywhere, really. I mean, you know, for certainly like a, you know, sort of, a provincial little museum like the uh, Judge's Lodging sounds like, um, you know, sort of getting descended upon by oh. hordes of rabid Doctor Who fans. Oh. <laughs> it's, <laughs> they're probably not used to it. <laughs> I, had, I had a busload come up from London the other day, yeah. <laughs> and they all came to see me in the Doctor Who shop, yeah, on Lancaster Market. And uh, I simply couldn't believe it, yeah. And they were sort of all milling around and wanting to meet the man behind the museum. And, oh, man, this is crazy, you know. <laughs> it's, it's tremendously exciting. So I expect they'll be coming from Australia now. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm getting the impression that it's been really, really popular. I think it's extremely popular. Yeah, I mean, it's there till the end of October. So I think really the the, the summer holiday, you know, the the UK summer holidays is going to be the time. But I mean, it's been popular from the first day it opened, and it just it just goes on and on and on. I, I think it's actually gaining momentum. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think actually the further that people come to the the further people you know the further people are away, the more enthusiastic they are by the time they get here because they've invested something into it. So you know. People are turning up sort of, you know, absolutely raving about it, yeah. What are some of the crowning glories of the collection? One of my favourite uh, items is just an issue of TV comic from early 1963. 
okay, which is from, from April 1963, which is exactly the time when Donald Cotton and Verity Lambert and various BBC bigwigs got round to discuss the idea for this crazy new television show, yeah? And the legend is that they sat in an office in BBC Television Centre and sort of looked at various contemporaneous, you know, comics and things where children were at that time, yeah? And in the, in the issue of TV comic from that very week, on the back page, there is an advert for Dinky Toys. And if you look into that advert, there's the TARDIS, okay? And it, okay. it's a London police box, and it's a dinky toy. Of, but I'm absolutely convinced that... And there's also a red telephone box, a standard British red telephone box. And I can just imagine the conversation saying, hey, that's, that's a good idea. And then so, no, no, Superman uses one of those. But look, there's an English version. Nobody <laughs> uses one of those. And I just get that idea somehow that they cottoned onto this through that issue of TV comics. So that's wow. one of my very favorite pieces. There's also... I think the, uh, in 1984, the um, 21 Years of a Time Lord at Longleat House in Wiltshire, big BBC put-on convention, and obviously, clearly, I attended that. I used to attend conventions, but I don't anymore because I find it a bit weird, to tell the truth. But I'm a bit weird, so it's, you know, maybe I should just continue, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, on the evening spanning the two days, or rather on the night spanning the two days, in Longleat House, there was a, a dinner of as many Doctor Who people as they could possibly get, okay? Now, to put the fans off, there was a sort of rather poor attempt to, to disco-organise. I'm sure, I'm sure this was entirely to detract people away from the fact that this dinner was going on, which would have been completely mobbed if people had known it was happening. But I had a clue about this. Someone had told me the day. So I, I, I staked it out all night. And at about half past three a.m., the doors of Longleat House opened, and I, I mean, I was completely surrounded by Doctor Who people, yeah. And I actually, I mean, it must be the ultimate reverse scenario where I actually had a queue <laughs> to autograph my program, yeah. So normally you go to these crazy signing things, and there's hundreds of people queuing up at some minor celebrity to get his scratch mark on it, yeah. Well, I had hundreds of, you know, Patrick Troughton was in the queue, for God's sake, and John Pertwee <laughs> actually queuing up to sign my thing. And it was uh, Richard Franklin, I think Captain Yates did he play, he, he, he wrote on it, wow, this really is living history. And he said to me, Ian Martyr signed it, so I do, you know, Heather Hartnell signed it. Just completely phenomenal set of autographs, yeah? And wow. I know that this all occurred within about, within about maybe three or four minutes. But it was, it was just an utterly stunning experience for a young Doctor Who fan, yeah, to be yeah. completely surrounded by Doctor Who personnel, yeah. For the two of us that actually bothered to stake this thing out, man, it was successful. So that's, th that program is on display in the exhibition, and that's a pretty sweet bit of memorabilia, I think. I quite like my TARDIS tuna, and I quite like my TARDIS tent, but I, I don't sit in it because it's too valuable, although I would, you know, if I had another. If I had I a spare, I'd saw that TARDIS tent, I... I saw that TARDIS tent in that photo you sent, and that brought back a lot of memories for me because uh, years and years yeah. ago, I went to a party which was run by this guy who ran a uh, science fiction Doctor Who shop here in Brisbane. And he uh -huh. said, okay, as an, as all I'm put up for auction, you have to buy tickets to, to an actual genuine TARDIS tent. And I went, oh, beauty. So I bought all these tickets. But then halfway through oh, the no. night, um, 
he came around and refunded everyone because some guy with really, really deep pockets and lots of money just basically gave him an, an insane cash offer for it. And he said, no, I'm not running the yeah, option yeah. anymore. I'm going to take the cash. And I went, oh, that, 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 that was one oh, of those. terrible. You can't do that, can you? It was, it was terrible, yes. Yeah. I had my heart set on that TARDIS tent. I did. Absolutely. I would have loved to have bought millions of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a rotter. Well, yeah, the world's it's... full of them, man. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Okay, yeah. And, well, I mean, there's just hundreds and hundreds of items, man. I quite like my chocolate Christmas tree decorations. But it's, it's the very early stuff that's exciting, isn't it? The colouring books and the mm. Dalek models and, the, you know, the, the scripts and that sort of thing. But I'm, I'm, not into, I'm not into buying costume or that sort of thing. I'm, I'm into buying ultimate ephemera. I'm into buying stuff that only existed for a few minutes and vanished again. I, I, like, I like things that were given away in millions and thrown away. So I'm a particular fan of sort of the Weetabix card sets and the Skyray Ice Lolly sets and Cadet cigarette cards and these things that would just, they just exist for a moment. And it takes a sort of a person like me to try and catch hold of it. But, you know, throughout my youth, my, my parents thought I was just clearly a mad child because I wouldn't play with toys. I insisted on keeping them in boxes and no one was allowed near them. And they used to just look at me and think, God, the sad case. <laughs> he doesn't even <laughs> play with the bloody things. <laughs> and, uh, so, so I take it you wouldn't be buying much of the new series memorabilia because it's, uh, you know, sort well, of I buy it and sell it. No, I, my, I essentially cut off around about 1980. I just, there was a point around 1980, I think, when all of a sudden... Doctor Who actually grew up, I think, considerably at the end of Tom Baker's period, yeah? And mm. I think the BBC realised the extent of the franchise they had and started to produce things with, you know, collector's item and limited, edi limited edition. And I might horrify and disappoint a lot of podcasters with this, but I'm absolutely convinced that anything that's got collector's item written, written on it is not <laughs> a collector's item. <laughs> Completely backwards, isn't it, really? It's things that say, do not collect this. Young children out there, if you want to know something to collect now, collect free CDs. Collect the CDs that come with newspapers. Just stick them in a box somewhere and forget about it for 20 years. And in 20 years' time, you'll have a valuable archive. Because there's, there's media that's given away for free that will never be commercial again. And its last, ever, you know, its last ever distribution was on a free CD in a newspaper. That is what will become valuable next. Now, of course, I should be hoarding these things like mad, but I'm not remotely interested. I'm just tremendously clever. I know what comes next, and that'll be what comes next, I guarantee it. But of course, I do collect any Doctor Who ones that come around. I, I still do. If there's a free, if there's a, a giveaway in something, I will buy that. And of course, in a daft, obsessive manner, I store it with every single detail and, you know, stick it away and wrap it in cling film and acid-free paper and never look at it again. <laughs> That's the slight sadness of all this. I don't actually sit and play with this yet. It just all gets locked away. It sounds like you're actually having a whale of a time with your Doctor Who collection and with the uh, fantastic display down at the judge's lodging. So, um, Peter, I really want to thank you very much for your time today, mate. And um, where can people catch that exhibition again? Well, they can catch it at the judge's lodgings between... Well, we started at Easter, but until the end of October... Okay. Judges Lodgings in Lancaster. Peter, thank you very much for your time today, mate. Cheers, Prep. Yeah, well, that was Peter Jewell, and uh, you can still go and check out his exhibition and pop by his little shop and say hi to Peter and tell him the Doctor Who podcast sent you. 
So, one last thing we want to share with you is just something we couldn't squeeze into the episode where we reviewed the uh, Big Finish Jamie trilogy. It was a discussion that we sort of had pretty much off the cuff about our favourite Big Finish audios, and it was in response to a listener email asking, well, where does one begin in the whole back catalogue of Big Finish? So, uh, we, we try to go some way to addressing that in this little segment. Enjoy. Okay, um, I received an email, guys, from a chap called Kyle Anderson in Los Angeles, uh, in California, all about Big Finish. And he says, hi, James. Firstly, big fan of the podcast. It's easily my favourite of the week. Second, you're a follower of Big Finish, and I have a couple of quick questions about your opinion of them. I've never listened to any, and I want to give them a shot. Are there any that would be good for Big Finish newbies? And specifically, are there any Eighth Doctor adventures that are particularly good? My only knowledge of McGann's Doctor is the TV movie, which I didn't like terribly much. I feel I ought to give him a fair shake. Any opinions on the subject would be greatly appreciated. Look forward to the next episode of the Doctor Who podcast, and thanks for providing great weekly entertainment. Throw that question over to you two, first mm. of all, before I have my um, two pennies worth. So, Tom, what do you think uh, in terms of Big Finish that you've listened to? Um, I think that absolutely give it a listen. I think if you've... If you're a Doctor Who fan, then you've certainly got an active imagination. Um, and if you've got an active imagination, the aural medium, so radio plays, are absolutely the way to go because the effects are so much better than they could ever be on TV, than they could ever be in film. Um, and actors love the, love the medium as well because it's all in the voice. If you think of uh, some of the work that Tom Baker does, um, primarily he's done a, he, he does lots of voice work now because he, because he never ages and he can be so much more energetic, he can be so much bigger, if such a thing is possible, than he was on screen. Similarly, um, uh, Paul McGann and Colin Baker have been able to expand what were essentially very, very good characters into this medium and and that you say oh you know I'm, I'm interested in exploring this uh, the eighth doctor uh, through the big finish range then brilliant i can't think of anything better th- to do than to think of uh, storm warning which introduces mm. the the charlie pollard character who is a great companion to the to the eighth doctor and it also gives you a great uh version of mcgann's characterization of the doctor it's very individual it's very unique at the same time as being absolutely part of the lineage of the character that we know and love so yes do get into big finish and i think if you're going to go uh paul mcgann the eighth doctor storm warning is a great place to start because it leads you into so much else of that whole era okay now how about you trev anything in particular well i'm going to be horribly obtuse and say i don't have particular story titles to um talk to you about but one thing that's really drawn me to the Big Finish series, is um, hearing more of The Fifth Doctor. And I think one of the things that really amazed me too is where they have stories involving, say, the uh, uh, Nyssa character, where they've expanded upon stuff from the classic series where they've hinted at this psychic ability that Nyssa has and they've taken that on board in the Big Finish series and developed stories around that and just expanded upon the classic series mythos to just 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 a wonderful way sure it's not canon or anything like that but it's wonderful to experience these audios and expand upon your own knowledge of the classic series or or, or any series i suppose and just see a different side to the Mm. characters that you've enjoyed 
on television. And uh, I think the Davison era has been fantastic for me. I mean, I could be horribly predictable and say, yes, Colin Baker's a fantastic yeah, big yeah. Finnish audio actor. You know, he's 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 done such wonderful things with the Sixth Doctor because everyone says that and I'm in total agreement with them. It's fantastic to see what the Fifth Doctor has done with some of the characters around him and I think the Fifth Doctor era has been most fascinating for me is because it's not only expanded upon the classic series companions but it's given his Doctor some new companions as well. Do you know, I, I, think, I think you're right. There's a wonderful story with uh, featuring Peter Davison and the character of Iris Wildtime played to... <laughs> An extreme by Casey Manning, um, where the, where the Fifth Doctor talks about meeting uh, his previous selves in the Death Zone to Iris, and Peter Davison's always said that he wanted to play the Doctor as an old man trapped in a young man's body, and there are moments in that particular audio where he's he is so old, he is so ancient, he is so tired, but yeah. it's it's played with great pathos and to to, to better effect than I think he ever managed on the screen. Um, you know, he talks about mm. how haunted he was by seeing his previous selves. And and Carl, I would say that again, I'm I'm, I'm really agreeing with Trev. The the opportunity that uh, actors have to expand on what was only hinted at on TV, particularly for fans who will buy this stuff and consume it and enjoy it and love it and add it to their own personal version of canon. Um, if you've not jumped in, get get in there because it's re- it's really it's really really great. And if you have to if you have a lot of downtime or driving to do, um, it's a great way of passing a few hours in the car. Absolutely right. And, and just in case you want to go and check that audio out that Tom was talking about, that was part of the Exiles trilogy. Um, the play that Peter Davison starred in was Exiles Dawns. It also starred Anthony Stewart Head uh, before his appearance in School Reunion. And that I have to say as well is is a play that I continually revisit purely because the magic between Peter Davison and Katie Manning is is absolute well it's just magic <laughs> it's it's fantastic magic and I would suggest that you go and listen to it and it's not actually a set of plays that people recommend from Big Finish people seem to be quite derisory about it but personally the first play Exiles Dawns and the second play Exiles Rising are, are, are two that I can go back and listen to again and again and frequently do uh, but to answer your question directly Kyle then yeah I, I would agree predominantly with Tom in terms of you start with the very first Eighth Doctor audio which is Storm Warning there's a series of four plays there and they all run they were actually released uh, concurrently, it was the first series that Big Finish ever did back um, in 2000, I think it was. Those four plays are, for me, by far the best set of Eighth Doctor stories that Big Finish have ever released. And they've gone on to release loads of others now. Um, and the good thing is that you can actually pick up um, at the beginning of the story, and Big Finish have deliberately made the Eighth Doctor um, stories run into each other, you know, more so than any other play. And I think it hits a bit of a rocky patch when McGann goes into this alternative universe in Zagreus. And Zagreus, for me, was something, again, where Alan Barnes and Gary Russell just got together and came up with a fantastic idea in their head and were absolutely not able to realise it in a good or satisfactory way. I think they loved it, and I think they loved making it, and I think that much is abundantly clear. But everything that is set with Charlie in the alternative universe, for me, just doesn't really work. Um, the absence of the TARSIS and, you know, the way that they kind of demonise Rassilon just didn't really work for me. Um, however, if you like your more 
comedic, your light Doctor Who, then I would say anything from Blood of the Daleks onwards. And that's with Lucy Miller, um, who yes, was indeed. played by Sheridan Smith. Um, oh, yes. And if, if you like the kind of parodies of Top Gear um, and the horror of Fang Rock, all of those kind of things, and you want to have a bit of a chuckle um, as opposed to taking your Doctor Who deadly seriously, just start at Blood of the Daleks by Steve Lyons. And you've there got the next four series of, uh, of Eighth Doctor and Lucy Miller stories to enjoy. So that's a particularly long answer, but you have got all three of our opinions there. Um, and, and thank you very much indeed. Well, I hope that's given some of our listeners out there a little bit of a idea on where to start because it, it can be quite daunting when you visit the Big Finish website. They've got just so much on offer. I mean, there's over 100 from the main range. Uh, there's there's the Eighth Doctor ranges. There's the missing stories. There's the musicals. And there's, there's the spin-offs like Iris Wildtime and Bernice Summerfield. Uh, it, it can be a little bit intimidating, I suppose, but uh, maybe that might give you a good place to start. Well, thanks for popping by today. Um, I hope hope you enjoyed the interviews and the little uh, Big Finish snippets. Next week, it'll only be James and Tom in the caravan. They'll be bringing you a fantastic review of the recent uh, box set of Revenge of the Cybermen and Silver Nemesis and probably all sorts of other things that they dreamt up while they did the episode. So uh, please have a listen to Tom and James next week and uh, I'll try and pop back the week after and see what these guys have been up to. Anyway, guys, thanks for visiting the caravan. We will see you all very soon. Bye-bye. That was the Doctor Who Podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it in to feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and via the Doctor Who Podcast forums. Thank you for listening. Take care. <laughs>